Pursuit of Podcast, a purely guest-centric show focusing on people and organizations that advance positive change. Positivity can be anywhere, and in a time of vast discord, the pursuit of is finding those who champion its causes loudest. Join us as we sit and learn about the pursuits of local leaders in their community. Let's go. Hello, good people, and welcome to the Pursuit of Podcast, where it's truly not us, it's you. I'm Ryan Buck, Artist Development, New Leonard Media. With me is the boss, Mark Wilson, president, New Leonard Media. How are you? Ryan, I'm doing fabulous. You know, today, yeah, I got a good matching outfit on. That is way too much. I'm embarrassed for both of us. More importantly, today, our guest is Cat Pay, CEO, Festival Foundation here in Traverse City. How are you? I'm good. You know, what's fascinating about this Hmm. is that I think I can say your name and that's pretty good. But I say Festival Foundation. We were just talking about this. Are people maybe scratching their heads? Oh, probably. Probably. I think they're getting it slowly. We've just had our first couple Festival Foundation events, a gala and so on last February. But up until now, I don't think people really know what the Festival Foundation does. Really? Okay. So I'm going to start with a question that I've started with recently that's kind of fun. And I think because it's you, I'm really excited about this particular question. (laughs) I don't know why. So you'll put yourself into a headspace of post-COVID. We were just talking about lousy things that happened during COVID. But now we're out of that and we're seeing each other again. Here we are at a podcast together. So you're at an event, business or social, a party. Party. Mm -hmm. We do that again, right? Yeah. So you're at a party and somebody comes up to you and says, hey, what do you do? What's the response? The party response. Hey, what do you do? Yeah. Usually my answer is something more of a, I create generations of fun and memories for those around us and celebrate agriculture. And then they go, oh, okay. And I said, well, I'm the executive director of the National Cherry Festival, the Iceman Cometh, the Charity Ball Drop, the Leaping Leprechaun 5K. And they go, what? And I said, yep, all run by the Festival Foundation. And they go, I had no idea the National Cherry Festival did all those things. And I say, well, the National Cherry Festival doesn't, but the Festival Foundation does. I'm delighted, right? (laughs) Because it's one of those things that it's such a question that we're used to, and the answer is fascinating. So you said, the first thing you said, let's say you stop there. Yeah. And that's enough to get a semicircle of people around you. Mm -hmm. What kind of questions, aside from maybe the questions you just talked about, what kind of questions at this setting do you normally get? And are they usually good ones? The biggest question I get, is that a full-time job? That is the best question I always get. Like, incredulously, like they pay you to do this or... I think they're just confused that a festival is actually a full-time job year-round. And I said, oh, yes, not only is it my full-time job, but we have five or six people in our office. It's their full-time job, too. And they go, really? I think people believe that in the open space park, for example, at the National Cherry Festival, there's like a button in the ground we push and it all just erects out of the ground. Because people forget that we have to set up an entire city and everything has to be ordered, whether it's a porta john, an electrical cord, some electrical inspection, whether the fire department has to approve a street closure for a parade, the Festival of Races. We can't just run out on Peninsula Drive without approval of Peninsula Township, which oh, means there's permitting applications, approvals. We need to cancel our uh, pursuit of <laughs> oh, uh, oh well, the streaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you might want a permit first. Yeah. Well. That was a wonderfully humble way of putting it (laughs) and encapsulating all the things that you have to do and the team of people around you that have to do. But do you ever feel simultaneously like the most adored and reviled person in Traverse City 
you know, at, it depends on the day. <laughs> so yeah, sometimes. I didn't mean for that to be no. snarky in any way. We're talking about this, like, it's a question I, I personally wanted to ask. Yeah. Because you're a human. Yes. Right? And that's clearly obvious unless we're breaking some news here. No, I'm but, you're a person who has a full-time job, everybody. (laughs) So you're paid with a team and you have something to do that's pretty universally celebrated, but also has some people who aren't always on board. Yeah. So do you let that move you? Do you not think about it? The duality of that in any way? I think about it. I mean, we get the hate mail too, and I'm not going to lie. It hurts because we try really hard to be positive. We try really hard to create something that is fun for our community and something that is most part free. 90% of the National Cherry Festival is free to the public. So they're free kids events, free parades. And we always say that you'll find something you love. If you don't like the air show or the fireworks, you might love the bubblegum blow or the teddy bear tea or all the, the ultimate air dogs, dog jumping. You might love something and not even realize it's something that we do. The other piece that a lot of people don't understand about our organization is that we have several give back events and several ones where our revenue generating. So the Iceman Cometh and the National Cherry Festival are revenue generating for the Festival Foundation. Right. Charity Ball Drop, all that money is going back to food insecurity in our community. Food Rescue received $16,000 in just this year alone by working the gates in two and a half hours. That is how much cash they took home. That's a big deal. That's what we want known is we are trying to help and support the community that supports us. That is a big deal. And that's something regarding the charity ball drop, for example, that I was aware of, but not fundamentally aware Mm -hmm. of. Does that make sense? It does. When we look at nonprofits and there are some trends on this particular show that emerge is that nonprofits don't need money or don't generate money. Correct. That nonprofits can't give money to others. Mm -hmm. So here you just took some different angles on that pretty quickly, all within the realm of a few events. We tried to find ways to help support our community in very deliberate ways. Our board met and said, okay, how can we do this? Because we didn't want to look like the giant in the room that was just taking on all these events. And then they go, well, where's all the money go? Well, we give over $125,000 in pure cash out every year to nonprofits, whether they are serving at events and they're serving the beer and the Pepsi, and they're being parade marshals and course marshals for the Festival of Races, Or they're a direct recipient of something like the Charity Ball Drop has its own mission. So its mission is to help with food insecurity in the community, which is where it started. We respected and kept that group's mission alive. The Leaping Leprechaun, that benefits the new family birthing center in NICU for Munson Medical Center. So we donate between five and 15,000 annually. We've donated up to 25,000 now. So I think we might have paid for a chair. Right. But we're very... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, yes. We're very happy about like... Those smaller in the grand scheme, but that's important. It's beneficial. And we know Munson Foundation is happy to have it. And we're happy to continue to partner with them until that facility is built. So we look at that and say, we're supporting the littlest leprechauns of our community with that event. And that event was just last weekend. So a lot of people see the bigger events and the air shows and the concerts, Mm -hmm. but they don't always see the little stuff and how the Queens program is a scholarship fund. Yeah. Queen Olivia is getting an $8,500 scholarship to college for not only representing our community, but for doing everything she loves. And those are big deals. And you're traveling Mm -hmm. with these individuals. You're creating and talking about that, which is a program that on the surface, somebody who doesn't know may seem like 
a vacuous or even outdated premise, but look right. at what you are doing. Right. You're getting stuck at security, <laughs> having to explain your various crowns and yes. jewels. Yes. Have you been accused of like, <laughs> you know, heisting jewelry ever? No. But like, our queen... like travel hijinks, have things happened that you've had to deal with? We, I mean, hijink things are entertaining. Our queen is very protective of the crown, so she knows as well as we do, that that crown, if we have to, if the bag does not fit in the overhead compartment or under the seat, the bag can go, that crown is sitting on her lap. She will not wow. let it out of her sight or <laughs> I will take it because wow. our crowns last anywhere from 30 to 50 years. We have all of our original crowns. We have the original cape that was used from Gertrude Brown, our 1926 National Cherry Queen. Oh my goodness. So we do not allow things to... Right. Anyone who is, of course, staffed on the airline, they may take the bags, they may not take the crown. So I've had a queen before who sat in her seat and she's like, this is my personal item <laughs> with her crown on her lap. Yep. Okay. And we talked about this a little ahead of time. What a great story. Yeah. What anybody hearing, yeah. looking on is going to go Traverse City. And then maybe yeah. it's a nugget that, I mean, you're ambassadors to our area. We are. And we actually had a really fun time. We went to Macon, Georgia last weekend for the International Cherry Blossom Festival. And we met people who knew of the pit spitters. And it blew me away. Their That's local so cool. baseball team is called the Macon Bacon. And yes, yeah. really, their mascot <laughs> is a strip of bacon <laughs> with a skillet for a hat. I loved this guy. I had to get a picture with him, which I did. And so did our queen. And we were dying. And I could not believe we, what we left. They're like, wait, from you're from Traverse City because she wears a sash, National Cherry Festival or National Cherry Queen. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And it has the logo. And they were like, oh, you're from Traverse City. Do you guys know of the pit spitters? And I was like, of course we do. <laughs> you imagine if you're like, no. Well, and the other people who are actually showing us around are like, how do they know where you're from? And I was like, because we bring cherries everywhere we go. And so we handed off dried cherries to this wonderful gentleman at the home of the Macon Bacon. And we were dying <laughs> thinking how great this is. Props to the Macon Bacon. And, <laughs> and I love that there could be so many food-based community crossovers. Oh, we're big You know, fans. because the baseball team spitting pits. They've got yep. bacon, cherries, and bacon. I don't know of a dish that... Cherry pancakes, bacon, breakfast. Oh, there you go. We did it. We have a breakfast food yeah, bond. Yeah. It's good. What are you working on right now at this moment? Is it exciting or is it routine? Well, we are 98 days from the National Cherry Festival. Yeah, we do countdown. It's sick and wrong and also exciting. I say it all the time in our office and the staff just cringes. It's on our website too. So people can also <laughs> count down with us. We also have a countdown. Is that a good Ice way Man. to say that you're always working on something? <laughs> we and it's are always usually working big. on something. You know, we've got concert announcements right now. We just made our fifth one earlier this week. And so we are constantly announcing something. Air show events went on sale today. So the flight deck, the Delamar, the and, Indigo, we're constantly know, for... leading up to something that we're announcing and something that we're talking about. Yeah. And one thing we have not announced yet, which is super exciting, mm. is bingo is back. Oh, really? I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Who knew that was more exciting than like theory of a dead man in the skillet right now is bingo. Bingo <laughs> is the excitement. Okay. So you get to be as many things to as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. You can say maybe REO in the way that you have to or skillet or bingo. Yep. And then somebody's going to be delighted. Yes. You went to Lake Superior State University. I did. And you received your BA from Davenport University. I did. Go Panthers. Thinking as far back as you could kind of articulate these concepts, what was the dream, the plan, and the reality for you? Of how I ended up here? Uh, um, anything. As yeah, far back, so however. When I was eight, I started volunteering for the National Cherry Festival. 
I was scooping ice and I was pinning numbers on racers for the wheelchair mile, which is my favorite event. I had a very wonderful human in my life. His name was Jeff Nash and he was a quadriplegic and I was his hands and feet at the race. So I was the one who pinned the numbers on racers. He was an amazing human, meant a great deal to me and he passed about 10 years ago and he was a father figure to me. So when I was younger, I was always looking for a way to continue to do the festival. So I went to college to be a teacher because they have their summers off. And this was my motivation. I was like, I'm going to go teach elementary school (laughs) so that I can volunteer at the Cherry Festival. I never had it in my head that I was going to do this job. So I was like, oh, then I can volunteer. Great. Do you have any teacher friends? or I do. That's great. You know, they're all freaking out right now when you say that. Yeah, they are. Yeah. You did that on purpose. Yeah, they're all really hating me right now. You're wonderful. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Yep. They're just, they're really, they're cursing. I'm going to wait. Yeah. Uh I'm going to hear about this later. Yeah. That was in my head when I was like, you know, I was 18. That made the most sense. Yeah. Well, partway through college, I was like, I don't think I want to be a teacher. It wasn't, it couldn't have just been summers off. If may, if I I may casually dig a tad. I love children. I love being a part of a classroom. I actually do love, I periodically get the privilege to go to CMU and Ferris and Grand Valley and guest speak to tourism and recreation management classes. And I actually do really enjoy it. So I really did love that idea of teaching and I love children. I'm a Sunday school teacher when I don't do this in my day job. So I actually do really love working with children. So that was kind of my motivation. Which is probably the one day you have off one time (laughs) once. Hey, it's great. And you do that. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Oh my gosh. I have a And I believe you 1000%. I have a classroom of two to five year olds. I have 18 of them on a Sunday morning and they are, I call it the goldfish ministry because we really just eat a lot of snacks, (laughs) mostly goldfish and Cheerios. But I digress. Two of the best snacks. I know. Arguably. So when I was leaving Lake State, I did leave partly through my career up there and Mm -hmm. I came home and I decided to go get my business degree from Davenport locally here at the university center. And that made the most sense. And I was working for Haggerty Insurance, which I loved back in like 2010. And I was still volunteering for the festival. And I moved my positions at Haggerty from auto and marine to claims because claims said, well, we'll give you the two weeks off to go volunteer at the festival because I was the operations director for festival. Right. So I really needed these two weeks off. And they said, well, if you come to our department, we'll agree to you can have like, because that was kind of blackout time at Haggerty. Like you didn't get two weeks off together right, right. easily, not in July. Mm-hmm, no. And right. so I, I, we negotiated, I got it. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll come work for claims and I'll do that. And I did that for a couple of years. And then I moved to Passageways Travel and I did incentive trips and things like that for their division. And yeah. I was still, and I was on the board for the Cherry Festival. And I was there when they hired Trevor. What years were you at Passageways? 2011. Oh, okay. Okay. I think. Is that before the Opera House? Because you, you, you were with the, the Opera House a large part of the time. A trend is emerging. You don't I, like to sit still. I do not. I wonder, you know, where other people in your life may get this. I don't know, but they're all the same. Just in case any of them are hearing or may hear. Yes, they are aware. I never once held less than like one job at a time. And this kind of energy <laughs> and this kind of a wonderful quality can be a good thing and lead to a fulfilling It does, yes. lifestyle. So I worked as a city opera house house manager for 10 years and I did it like once a month or twice a month and it was a lot of fun. I always called it my fun job. It was so much fun to get to come in there and all the events that would happen and you were basically like a host as a house manager. You opened the doors, you had everyone come in if they were renting it out for like I don't know how many swing shift in the stars I've seen over the years, but <laughs> it was amazing because I was always their house manager it always turned out. <laughs> It's been a lot of fun. And I moved from that to, I uh, was on the board with the festival, the National Cherry you Festival. You were on the board at 
20 years old. Something insane like that. Yeah, it sounds about right. So I'm not talking out of school, right? I think it, it was, was it was it was not quite 20, but it was in my later 20s. So you you were in your 20s yeah. on the board of what we can arguably say is a world renowned and recognized festival. Yeah, that would say yes. It is very much so. And what when you look back, you know, you were at a legacy company like Haggerty. Mm-hmm. Were you ever you got a lot to offer. You bring so much to the table. Yeah. Were there any pulls to the corporate life, the nine to five, the money? No. The the any of those things? <laughs> because like, no, it wasn't my passion. Yeah, forget it. I don't even need to finish that. It wasn't my no. passion. It wasn't what I loved. I mean, when I was at Haggerty, I was also I worked for the Opera House. I later worked for Cherry Republic, and I did their catalog sales at Christmas. Again, I can't sit still. So I was a uh, the person that answered the phones and took orders over the phone. I love talking about cherries. And so that made a lot of sense. And Trevor was not the executive director yet. When I was on the board, Tim Hinckley was the executive director. Mm -hmm. And then Trevor came on and I was on the board that helped hire Trevor. Yeah. And then a couple of years later. And this um, is Trevor Tkach. Yeah, Trevor Tkach. And then later Trevor had parted ways with our operations director and it was Mm -hmm. about three months to festival. Yeah. And he called me and he's like, so since you do it on a volunteer basis, the employee that did this is no longer now with us. And I said, well, that employee runs your meeting in 30 minutes. And he was like, what? And I said, the event director meeting is in 30 minutes that that person runs. So what's your plan? And he was like, uh, I'll meet you there in 10. And I was like, okay, great. I'm like, you now need to inform 150 event directors that the person that they all talk to about everything is now no longer the person they talk to. And a few weeks later, he called me and was like, what is it going to take to have you come work at the festival? Right. So I did both. I worked Passageways and the Cherry Festival for about Did you four think months. about it for a, a second? What were the, uh, I'm just curious. It to- was really, actually, it was really hard. I did not want to give my seat up on the board. I had a really hard time with this. There was a lot of thought process. There was a lot of talking to my family because I said, if the festival is going to pay me, which they technically have to for what I, they want me to do, right. I have to resign the board. And I'd only been on the board for like a year and a half or two years. And I didn't feel my time was done. But I also knew the organization needed me in this capacity because it was April and the festival's in July. And I was like, I'm the only one who knows enough that's going to be. And he's asked me and I need to serve the organization in the way that I'm being asked. And so I cried. I cried for hours writing my resignation letter to the president. And I asked very nicely. I said, if I because this was for a few months come July, I didn't know if this was going to continue or if I had just walked away from something. So they agreed to my letter and it said once I'm no longer a contractor with the festival, then the board would openly discuss having me back if that didn't continue because I was very nervous. And I made Trevor sign a letter saying that if my contract, my contractual agreement like didn't pan out, I could still volunteer because the idea of giving <laughs> up my whole dream of and how long I had been a part of the festival family, I didn't want to give it up. Right. If so, if something went south, I needed, I needed every, I still have my letter from Trevor where I was like, I can still volunteer if this doesn't pan out right. Cause that's, I can't imagine doing anything else. That shows a lot of heart in the process because, you know, they were clearly making the right moves to accommodate somebody who, well, I'll ask you, why do you think they did what they did to put you into that position? Well, I think what Trevor did. Deep down, if you want to comment. Trevor was very open about the fact he didn't want to break the festival kid 
So there is a lot of times. The festival kid. The festival kid. I grew up in the festival. And that was your moniker? That is, is your. That is the way a lot of our volunteers will still look at me. I have volunteers that have been there 50, 60 years. They are all like my parents. In a Matthew Broderick sort of way that you look eternally young because you do, but or that <laughs> no, they see it's that they, I'm still the eight. eight-year-old pinning the, the... I'm still eight riding on the back of Jeff's wheelchair. like, And they will all still tell me that. And I find it very endearing and Is loving. it ever a problem from a business perspective? It can be. It has been better over the years. It's been easier for me to get past that in a lot of ways. But I would say initially, especially when I became the executive director six years ago, right. challenging. There are challenges when I get called kiddo or sweetheart. Powdered bottom syndrome. It's the... Uh, so so the same, I mean, the tribe has it the same because we're all family. Yeah. And so there's several aunties that have changed your diapers. And so... Pretty much. Yeah. Yep. And and that's they, exactly what it is. It's a hard time for the, them to not look at you that way. It is. You seem to be taking it with some sort of endearment and not in a, in a negative way. Yeah. Because this festival, this organization is in the fabric of your DNA. I can tell you feel very. <laughs> That's a very good way to put it. Yeah. Well, it's true. I mean, I could ask how many cherry tattoos you have or, you know, like bad days or the pits or whatever. Sure. But you clearly live and breathe what the mission is. And it's it's about giving back and a big thing that you give back is supportive agriculture. And what maybe gets lost, and this is just coming from me, is that that message sometimes can get lost in some of the hoopla. Do you find that that's a struggle for you? And how are you looking maybe to address it if it's something that challenges you a bit? We do. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, we grow grapes here too, or apples. And I'm like, yes, but we are 70% of the nation's tart cherries are grown right here. And they go, what? I'm like, oh yeah, always. Like, this is a big deal for our region. And that is why we try to include cherries in kind of everything we do. Even at the Iceman Cometh, you will find cherry juice and dried cherries and as recovery stations on the route. I mean, we're very focused on the fact that a lot of our mission still stems from incorporating the celebration of cherries. Right. The growers in this community, while, yes, a lot of things have changed because people come to me all the time and say, well, there's more wineries than there are cherry orchards. You're probably not wrong. With the intent of it should be winery fest? Yes. People just say, well, the official, because we always argue that we're the cherry capital of the world. And they say, well. Well, you postulate or you you, I'm like, listen, we still have an airport named after this. Cherry capital airport. Yeah. There's wings on the Coast Guard helicopter that have cherries on them. I feel like we are still very prominently rooted in cherries. Yeah. I'm still working on the sign for downtown because everyone asks us, where is the sign that says cherry capital of the world? Because they want a photo. And we don't have one. Wow. So we are working on this. This has been a big thing with Gene over at the DDA. We've been working on for a while. That yeah. We have to make a more permanent home for photo op. Yeah. Which one is the real largest cherry pie pan? You mean who holds the record through, right now? Because when you come through Charlevoix and you see their pan and you're like, hey, <laughs> hey, well, I was there when they did see the their pan. Currently, I believe it's Canada right now that's holding the record. Oh, really? Above Charlevoix. There's a lot of controversy over this whole really? giant pie. So how deep, how heavy? It's a whole thing. It's it's how many pounds? How round? So to get to the new record, you need to make a, at least a 50,000 pound cherry pie which is large. And to serve it to the public, you need to make it in a commercial kitchen. I don't know about you, but I don't know anyone who has an oven that big. So this has been our current big struggle. And Sara Lee has one, but not quite big enough for a round pan, because I can say our 100th anniversary is in three years. We've been talking about a giant pie for at least seven. We have a whole pie committee 
that has been doing all of the research to figure out. Because in our world, if we're going to try to pull this off, it has to be Michigan sugar. So it's got to be Pioneer sugar. Right. It's got to be local cherries. That's a lot of cherries that we need to take in. You have to have an NSF certified pan, which takes at least six months to certify and made out of steel. And then you have to build ovens. So when they did this in the 80s, they built ovens. I have no idea if the health department paid any attention to what happened here. Zero chance. They sucked the like basically the pie out with vacuums and then put it in little two ounce portion cups and handed it to you. That's what they did? This is how, (laughs) yes, because people ask us all the time, they say we're going to do the giant pie and can you slice it? And I was like, Slice do you know it? how big this well, is? Yeah. I mean, it's it's I good would, for instead uh, of everybody eating it. Like there should be like a huge, uh, you know, there should be like an MMA match or something. Well, there's an idea. I was more concerned about the fact that or, if we didn't serve it to the public, people would come at us for wasteful. It's wasteful, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, you know, okay. that's all okay. those yeah. cherries, yeah, all that right. ingredients. Yeah. Right. So so feeding those in need in, in some way, and you do a lot. And the website is phenomenal about all those types of things. But what I really wanted to dive into, and we, we talked about this a little bit ago, was your poise. You know, you have got to be in front of the media. You have got to deal with detractors, like you said. What has trained you to do what you do? Because it's fascinating that you have to bear the slings and arrows, and you probably don't get all of the laud and honor either. Or you brush it right off yourself because I'm just getting that off of you. Yeah. So what trained you to be able to do this so well? One of them was actually Trevor. So Trevor Takachi was very good to watch. One of the things he told me early on was to accept every interview, no matter what. Take every talking experience you get. So whether it is in front of a group and presenting or speaking down at CMU or whatever it is, because it helps you become more confident in what you're always saying. Mm Mm-hmm. So take every experience to present, no matter what it is, big or small, you don't don't know who they are, great, take it. So I took that to heart and I do that. One of the things I stopped doing after my first year is watching my interviews. Watching them? Yeah, I don't watch them. I don't watch them at all. So I'm on 9, 10 a lot. I'm on 7 and 4. I'm on all of the things. Yeah. Sometimes weekly. I don't watch them. Because you're your own worst critic. And True. so I was always the person being like, oh, my hair's out of place on that one. Oh, I stuttered oh. on that one. And especially once we came into the time of Zoom now, if you've experienced, I've experienced some of the podcasts and things that I have done and or Zoom interviews for 910 Media. Right. I can hear myself and see myself, but I can't see them. So I don't know when they're going to begin talking. Oh. And it's a really big challenge for me sometimes to be like, I don't know if you're going to, because I don't want to talk over them or to do radio interviews by phone. I've had to really learn to pause when I'm not in the room with someone or can tell when they're going to start talking. Right. That has been a challenge. I've had to work through my relationships with all of the different on-air medias over the years of being like, okay, I know this person is going to do this intro or I know this just so it sounds still professional, even though I might be traveling and completely on myself and have no idea and you have to do shows with the, What's happening the, in the queen. Yeah. You have, it's not just you all the time. No. So, and I prep the queen usually or the queen's committee. They're fantastic to make sure she knows what she's doing and make right. sure we're talking about different subjects. So if she's focusing on the queen's program and the cherry industry, I might be focusing on our concert lineup and volunteerism and something else. Right. So we try to keep our content similar and make sure that they complement each other so that we're not just reiterating the same things. And a lot of times our board president travels with us too to media. So we'll have three people 
And each one of us has a certain piece right. that we've kind of pre-done. But Trevor was really instrumental early on. And, and he was one too that said, stop watching your stuff. Because I would be at home being like, oh, I've been on all this media. And then I'm re-watching it. And I'm going, oh, I didn't like the way that shirt looked. Or, oh, look, the screen's behind me. It'd be were... exhausting. I just yeah. finally yeah. kind of let it go. And that was the most important thing I think I could have done. Right. Where I just said, it's good. And sometimes we get interviewed in the middle of the open space. And it's windy. And... I'm yeah. not going to lie. The middle of yeah. July, we do not Bangs look our best. Like over yeah. here and, There's and sunglasses. And I am a person that I am blind without my glasses. And my sunglasses are also prescription. So it's not like I can put my sunglasses up and like interview yeah. because I'm like, I can't see you now. Are you conscious of <laughs> the, again, you know, the, this is a national stage. We've had celebrities visit. So it's not a little thing. And right. it's not, oh, look how cute this is. Anybody yeah. can read the stats. Anybody can see the economic impact. But when you look at what it takes to grow something like this or to incorporate something new and to grow it, where do you look for priorities? Where do you look for opportunities with any of the events? Hmm. That's a really good question. I think we look for we look for both the, like the growth, but to us, it's not necessarily to grow monetarily. It could be about awareness of the cherries. It could be about awareness of our volunteerism. We have 2,400 volunteers. We've literally went and trademarked Volunteer City USA for Traverse City because there is no better. Volunteer City USA? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, there's a whole page about it on our website. We are (laughs) deeply integrated in our volunteerism and not just for Cherry Festival or what we do, but for what this community does. We travel and people are blown away with the amount of volunteers that give us. They have no problem taking the week off and giving us 40 or 60 hours in a week. They'll sign up for shifts and they're like, well, I signed up for pie eating and then I'm going to go straight to the souvenir tent and then later I'm going to pour beer and they'll tell me about their entire day they've signed up for and we could not do it without them. Right. We couldn't and we know that. So I think our growth and opportunities, we're looking for more ways to thank our volunteers. You know, we're in the different, the Jimmy John's and things like that going, okay, can we have some free sub cards? How can we trade something to you? You need a sponsorship. Well, we need some sub cards to thank our volunteers. Right. So I always call it the triangular trade. I'm over here going... Okay, I need something from you. You want this from someone else, and mm-hmm. we know that person. So how can we all work together yeah. to make this work? And so that's been a big initiative of ours is the volunteer landscape has changed. People aren't giving as much as they used to. When they have younger children. There's just, there are all kinds of reasons. So we're trying to meet the volunteer where they're at. If they can only do four or six hours a week, we still want to love on them the same as though someone is giving us a week. Because you never know that person who four to six hours this year might be a 40-hour in five years when their life has changed and now they brought their kids with them because they think it's amazing. So we are trying to bring people out of their shells and saying, we have something for you to volunteer for, even if you don't love crowds. Right. There's something for everyone. And so we really piece that in being very inclusive and trying to make sure that we are really loving on our volunteers because that then gets them to love cherries if they don't already, which usually they do if they've come to work for us already. Right. And it gets them to just feel that volunteer spirit throughout their lives. They might start yeah. with the cherry festival, but, oh, now they're volunteering in schools. Now they're on the PTO. Now they're doing all this stuff. And that's what we want to ingrain volunteerism, not just with what we do, but community-wide. Right. Well, you talked about feedback. Yeah. And you don't necessarily maybe have to elicit public feedback or take it in. But you get it clearly yep, and do. you get feedback from from volunteers. So, and I didn't want to gloss over that. How do you take it? How do you, Kat, how do you prioritize it before you even start to deal with how to address it? 
So we... You're positive and, and challenging. Yeah, it, it is both. And, and I get them a lot to my personal email. I get them mailed to my house sometimes. I get them mailed to our office. I get calls on my cell phone. If a volunteer needs me, I allow any one of our staff members to give my cell phone number out. It is not a... It is not a problem. It's not going to be in the show notes, That's though. Okay. FYI. That's fine. So, um, <laughs> well, one time the record but, even printed it. <laughs> so oh, it's, your personal number. Yes. Wow. Well, it is. It's my personal number and, and my work, but it's still. my all my things. <laughs> but it is part of what I consider part of the job. If a volunteer is disgruntled or a guest is disgruntled in any way, shape, or form, I want to know about it because it's usually the little things that we can make better just by listening. What is the issue? Sometimes I just want to be heard. So I will. I will call back every single one of them. I will email them back whatever they want. A lot of times I email them. My email signature has my cell phone number in it. Call me. You have a problem? I will take care of it. We had a gentleman who I think it was last year, his TV fell off his mantle because the Blue Angels flew too fast or low over his home. And I said, okay. All right. What, what is the problem here? And he's like, well, that was a $130 TV. And I'm like, okay, please stop by our office later today. And there's a check for you at the front desk. And he mm-hmm. was like, that's it. And I said, yes. And also... There are some straps that I would like you to use on the TV to connect it to the wall. So this won't happen in the future. And he was like, I've never had anyone just take care of that. And I said, if this is all it's going to take to fix it, I'm happy to do that. And that's what we do with our volunteers. Well, what was the experience? Okay, your negative experience was what? It was with an event director. It was with another volunteer. It was because we had you volunteer too late. Or like the shuttles. We love Beta. Beta is an amazing partner. Mm -hmm. And they run the Bayline. Well, sometimes the Bayline doesn't run as late as we need to. And I said, well, then why don't you let your event director know that you need to leave earlier? This is an easy fix. We let event directors know. Baylight only runs till 11. I know Beer Tent has to clean up at 1130. Let's have the people that drove themselves that are able to do that. Find out early in their shift that these folks have to get out of here because they have to catch the Bayline back to their cars. We, so we you, communicate and find solutions. You don't need to know all of this. You don't need to handle all of this. You don't need to have reimbursed $130 TV. Why are you doing it? Because it's important to me that we support that community. Because that one person who had his TV fall off his mantle, that's a negative experience. And he's going to go tell 30 or 40 more people about his negative experience versus his positive. Right. But he might tell his positive and say, well, yeah, it fell off the mantle, but the festival took care of it. Well, that's not the mentality of a world-recognized festival. It's the mentality of a community-driven festival. Right. And that, I mean, that's what I'd say. You know, we are, yes, a top 10 festival in the country, but we also, and we will say it time and time again, we want to support the community that supports us. If we have another nonprofit in this community doing something amazing and needs support in some way and we are able to help support them, sign us up. And that is from loaning out fencing and equipment to other nonprofits. I don't think there's an event in this town that happens without some sort of something from our warehouse because <laughs> well, we just own a lot of things. It's a small community. Yeah. And, and and again, when you talk about the numbers that you draw and you look around, just personal interjection. I, you know, I'm here from big cities. And when people talk about traffic here, I do snicker a little bit because and I used to say we have one slight traffic jam a year. It's typically around Fourth of July weekend and we have a year to prepare for it. Yeah. And it's not that bad. So all that's relative. Right. You bring this in and, and all these people have goodwill and I'm exhausted talking to you <laughs> because I see you reading that email about that $130 TV yeah. at probably 1030 at night after you've put a young one to bed for the third time yeah. and are praying 
that he stays asleep this time. Yeah. And you mentioned Trevor. Is there anybody else in your life or in your business or professional world that was as dedicated? Because it's rare to talk to somebody like that. Was there something else that created a spark that make you that intense? There, I mean, there is. There's a lot of people that have been influential in my life and very strong supporters who are just incredible people. And one was back in college. Mark Jastorf was my advisor in our student alumni involved for Lake State group, our sales group. And he... You were really involved in college. I, I mean, you did... I really was. You did a lot of things. Yeah. You could kind of tell that this not staying in place was starting. yeah. I was a person that attended more meetings than I did classes. That was very much me where I was like, oh, well, history can wait because we have an activities board event over here. I did the winter carnivals and I was on student activities board and I just love events. I find that I will never miss a parade in any community I go to. I find that parades are rolling storybooks of community. That's Is that a thing? Do you seek out obscure parades across the country? Oh, and is there a... Parade? a- Parade trail, a la like the sideways wine I don't think trail. So, but now that's a good idea. There's your book. I know. I am going to Obscure the parades. I love that. <laughs> that you can visit in little towns because there's probably a food affiliated with it, oh. a tradition, something cultural, giving back. I can sense a parade. I'm that person where I will. We were at a. Is that uh, parade, Dar? Yeah, I will. We were at a. We were in a. Um, I don't remember where we were. It was Kansas City, I think, or Kansas City. And someone said, "Oh my gosh, there's a parade," and I'm like, "I felt it." And, oh and I God. ran outside and watching marching bands go down the road, and I was so excited. This is an enviable skill. And, and like a friend, I wish I had a friend who could do that. Like, it's amazing. There's a parade somewhere. It is amazing. I'm going to the Pegasus Parade, which is for the Kentucky Derby Festival at the end of the month, and I've never been. Really? Is and it fancy? Big I'm, hats? That's what I've heard. I don't know. I haven't been. Well, I have. I'll have to follow up later on that. With I you. mentioned that I have a, a bit of a visual thing, and it's just something for me to read. Oh, no. Okay. And it's a little bit of a memory lane, maybe for you, mm. but it's from the year of 2017, and it's a day in your life. Oh, good. Now, this oh. is this is early. <laughs> I know which one this is. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. This is early on. So just bear with me. Yeah. Because your typical day as executive director, you were maybe newish in the role. Mm -hmm. It's unpredictable. You juggle hundreds of phone calls, volunteers, and staff members. We just talked about this Mm -hmm. in the thousands. You've got potentially an angry band, a manager, a groupie. I don't know. Something's happening there with the music thing. So this is a just a day in the life. For you in 2017, starting at 7.20, made the DU review staff. Within minutes, receive a phone call about an issue at the volunteer tent. 7.30, stop at 9 and 10 News for an interview. 9.23, so long interview. 9.23, connect with volunteers. 9.31, receive a call from volunteer. Now, this is a chronicle of your day. Yeah, the Davenport review staff was with me for the day. Yeah. Yeah. They love you. <laughs> it's really fun. So you're receiving a call from volunteer regarding the pie eating contest. 948 dropped by the NCF warehouse. Talk with volunteers about the Johnsonville Grill. Propane tank for the parades. Very important. Parades. You sense them. 958 arrive at Jimmy John's to pick up donated sandwiches for the golf outing. Who knew? Golf outing? Uh, 10.06, while driving, take a call from 9 and 10 News. They're requesting an on-site interview for special kids day. Mm-hmm. 10.30, meet and greet sponsors of the golf outing. 11.10, jump in the official National Cherry Fest Toyota, courtesy car, drive to the Royal Pageant Fashion and Luncheon. Mm-hmm. You probably didn't eat at this luncheon. No. You don't have to comment. I guarantee you didn't. 11.30, change. I was in the fashion show. You were in it. Change into a pageant outfit and take the stage minutes later. That's at 1130. Yeah. 
I haven't eaten lunch yet. No. I've already been to like seven <laughs> lunch events. 12.30, pick up custom tablecloths for the next day. Princess Tea at Joanne Fabrics Craft Store. One o'clock, return to the office, meet a FedEx driver delivering Cole Swindle merchandise. Concert. 139, pick up a colleague and fellow DU graduate. Change into a custom-made cherry skirt for next event. 227, arrive at the Horticultural Research Station for the Cherry Industry Program and Awards. 410, head downtown Traverse City to connect with staff and volunteers before the concert. 6 p.m., enjoy the REO Speedwagon concert backstage with sponsors and special guests. Yeah. That's the day in your life in 2017. That's Cherry normal. Fest 2022. How does it compare? Oh, similar. Except 2022, we had all of the special guests under the sun. So we had the governor, the lieutenant governor, the director of agriculture, you name it. And we had some VIP that had decided to come here, which was an amazing, amazing experience. But we didn't always know they were coming until the morning of or the day before. And so it was a constant trying to figure out what events I could go to and then where I needed to be to greet them. So it was sort of a a little more up in the air. And then in 2021, we had President Biden who visited us. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, what is going on? You had something to do with that. Yes. In an official capacity. that same year was the ride, the magic carpet that decided to not stay where it was supposed to. Oh, right. That went on TMZ. So when TMZ calls you, you now have decided you've made it in life. That is one way of looking at that. (laughs) The first. (laughs) The president, you know, the governor, the president. I I agree. TMZ. My (laughs) first thought when that particular piece of life happened was, is everyone okay? And thankfully, everything had already, before I got the news, because it was around 1230, everything had been handled. And I was now on a conference call with three people from Arnold's Amusements telling me the ride's already been removed. Everyone's fine. Here's what's happened. They've called their insurance. They're getting the ride inspected. And I was going, okay. And they said, but by the way, it was videotaped. And I was like, excuse me? So I, of course, call my media people on my staff, Susan and Bailey. And I was like, so we're going to hear about this first thing in the morning. This is what's happened. And they're all sleeping, too. And I was like, this is what's happened. Everyone's fine. There were no injuries. Apparently, someone handed out deep fried Oreos and they're all good to go. But, oh, yeah, they gave That's them concessions nice little... and ride tickets for the next day. So, and so on they the were spot, very sorry. You know, yeah. handling the. And, uh, and they yeah. told us what happened and they told us the ride operator and everything that had happened. So I knew the play by play before I saw the video. And then, yes, TMZ and everyone else under the sun. TikTok just shared so many it times. Was... TikTok. TikTok. You know, it's, it's, it's part of life. It's, it's bits. But you know what? I almost forgot it happened. To well, be honest, good. So, I just heard about it I yesterday. Too, still, it's not like the hurricane that we got in two thousand whatever that time frame was. But you look at some of the big things that you have to do: reducing setup time, yep. incorporating with the city. What do you look for in a partner? What do you look for in people who you are actively wanting to work with? What are the optimal traits in, in a partner, and what do you want to see moving forward? In partner organizations and businesses and things like that. A lot of it is their dedication to the community. You'll notice a lot of our sponsors and things are also very dedicated to the community and give back sort of groups. They sponsor a lot of things. I think of like Forefront Credit Union and Blue Cross Blue Shields and Priority Health and Cherryland Electric. A lot of those guys are already doing a ton in our community too. So we look at a lot of those pieces and we look for what we can offer them as much as they can offer us because it's a two-way street. So if we're looking to do that, we're also looking to see how they want to be marketed back into the community, what they want to support, right. and whether or not that's a good fit, and and kind of how that works. When it comes to nonprofit partners, we are open to all. We have mm. a website that has an amazing Get Involved tab, and you can click on there to become a share group where we actually pay your nonprofit to do it, a volunteer team, so you could be a 
for-profit business or nonprofit wanting to get exposure out there about your group. Yeah. And then we have just our regular old amazing cheery volunteers, our ambassadors as we call yeah. them, because they're not just volunteers. They're really ambassadors yeah. for our festival and our community out into the world. It's not just the Cherry Fest. It's three other amazing events that connect people to families. I, mm-hmm. I love, I know it's a bummer that Iceman, the last couple of years, it hasn't been super icy but when, you know, I live in a, in a particular area where you could see the the route and you see families, you see little ones, and those are the images that stick with you. Yeah. When you think about a child's first concert, we're musicians, that's a big deal. And yeah. you've seen all of these firsts and all of these kind of big things. Is that enough to keep you inspired? And again, what are you looking for moving forward? Obviously, Festival Foundation being more prolific as as it relates to what it is. What are your dreams right now? Because I think you've earned it. You've earned the ability. You've been working for this organization since birth. Yeah. So just pie in the sky. What would you like to see happen? I think there's a lot for the Festival Foundation moving forward. We have just started to be able to take donations. So a monthly donor program, monthly grower program, you now can donate back to the foundation as little as $5 a month. And it's automatically taken out of your checking your savings and put in the foundation. And you get to choose where it goes, where it goes into scholarships or a permanent home for us. We rent space downtown. So we are like everyone else. We do not have a permanent home that we're not paying for. So that is something that's a brick and mortar policy. And then just the operating expenses. So when people are looking to do that, that's become a new avenue for us just in the last three years that we kind of launched it because people said, how can we donate to you? And I was like, that's a really good question. Sure. Because we were not set up for that. That is something that's kind of foreign to us. In the perception that, mm-hmm. oh gosh, Sherry Fest can't need anything. Look Correct. at Look at how big. And we look at it and say, but we are able to provide things like the snow cone. The snow cone is free. So our snow cone race is for those probably ages two and a half or two that can ride a balance bike all the way up to eight, nine, 10 are doing our snow cone at the Iceman Cometh. And that is free. It's completely free for those kids to enjoy this. And that is because of the generous donations of Iceman riders. Right. The Iceman riders themselves are like, oh, yeah, I'll pony up some extra dollars, make sure kids can get on bikes because it's future generations. It's the same thing we see at the Cherry Festival with stuff like the air show. The pancake breakfast is the high-flying pancake breakfast. You actually have to catch your pancakes on a plate to eat them. <laughs> so if you've never experienced this with Chris Cakes, they are, it's the Guinness Book of World Records for the most pancakes thrown, I think it is. And you have to catch them. And so you hold your plate and they chuck them with their flipper off the girdles and you have to catch them. Proceeds from that benefit the aviation school, NMC Aviation, in scholarships. Yeah. We have been funding the Kevin Copeland Scholarship for about four years. Kevin Copeland was a great aviator and he was a great pilot and unfortunately we lost him in a motorcycle accident a few years ago nmc and his family started the kevin copeland memorial scholarship and we are very proud to continue to donate that annually we the pancake breakfast already existed but we did something which is what we really knew how to do well yeah i'm gonna say the word we all just like pivot <laughs> we pivoted it's okay it's also in lake superior state's banished word list pivoting oh interesting yeah Okay. So we're supposed to, you know, not use it as much, but we shifted gears, pivoted, however you want to term it, to moving that pancake breakfast to benefiting a cause. Yeah. And we've won awards for it before through International Festival and Events Foundations for the fact that we moved something that was a revenue generator for us to being a revenue generator for something else. And now when you look at kids watching the air show, I love watching kids down in the open space when they are ready to see those planes fly. And there is nothing that brings us more joy in the fact that it's free. Yeah. 
every parent can take them down there. And these kids are sitting there with their toy planes and their ice cream cone. And they're just like mesmerized. Yeah. And they could be staying at a hotel where they could meet a pilot. They could. Yeah. And that's a celebrity. That's a moment. They get to meet the pilots for free at Open yeah. Ramp. And the parents take them out there. 10,000 people get to see on our Coast Guard hangar, which is phenomenal. Air Station Traverse City opens up to us and everyone else yeah. on the Friday night before the air show. It's staggering, isn't it? And you can go out there and see the planes yeah. and meet a Blue Angel pilot. It's like, you shouldn't be here. Like, isn't there national security to be worried about? But no, it's... 12 years later, I'm still fangirling <laughs> over meeting pilots. I walk out on the tarmac and I'm the girl from Dirty Dancing where I carried a watermelon. Oh. <laughs> My whole job, because this is not us. The air show committee and our air show directors are amazing people. Yes. I walk out with bottles of water. That's literally my job. And I walk wow. out with these guys who yeah. are the air show directors as the pilot is coming off the plane when they first arrive and land. My only job, it's the coolest thing I do all week. That, that's that got to be thrilling. It's amazing. And I'm still it's every still year. still cool, even sweaty and everything. Every year it's cool. And I've done it now six years. And I still, I tell the new air show director every year, I'm like, can I just please carry the water out there? It's my favorite thing. Oh my gosh. Can I please? Because you have tons of time to do it. Will you indulge... Just as we close, a couple of corny questions. Of Some course. things that maybe I thought about this. Things you're in, itching to know. Well, I may not just <laughs> not me, really. Oh. I maybe that you're itching to share. Sure. And people would want to know, but a dream performer that you've gotten so close but no cigar. Some that really bums you out that you still think about. I don't want to open old old wounds, but close to getting somebody and it just hurts. And it could be any kind of performer. And you don't have to say details or I mean, why. The, well, but like, one for us for a long time was Nelly, and then we did it, and then we did it. <laughs> oh twice. my gosh! Yeah, that's a wonderful way to sit. It is. It yeah. was. It was one of those things that we didn't think we were going to do that, and we also didn't know that Traverse City would love it as much as they did. Nineties R and B hip hop. Nelly was the biggest sale opening day for general admission ever. I'm not sure. We were blown out of the water, and then he came out on stage in our logoed gear, and I think all of us were just like, we can all die now. That's that, that you was, know what? That was, I mean, it was so, and he wanted it. He, we didn't put it back there for him. He arrived and he, they talked backstage and they said, Well, we'd like to get t shirts, the cherry festival, and here are our sizes. And they came to me and they're like, Can we do that? Or are we charging him? And I was like, He's Nelly. We are not charging him for shirts. Does he want 10 or 20? Yeah. I mean, go grab him out of the tent. It's fine. Tell Mark and Steve later. It's fine. Yeah. So that was a big one, boys to men. Um, and we also mm, had them. Yeah. So that was... You, wow. That, that was just last year. Both of them. And one of my personal favorites, which was super fun, was Home Free, mm-hmm. which was the acapella band that opened for Dwight Yoakam last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I've seen Home Free probably three, four, five times because my mother is a home fry. So home fry is what they call the fans of Home Free. And my mother, she's going to hate me for this, is over 75 <laughs> and loves, loves, love these guys. And they are an a acapella. Home yeah, Home Fry. <laughs> self-designated. She's a phenomenal human. And 75, or I'm sorry. Now I'm just said how old she is. Great. This will be wonderful when she hears us later. She does listen and watch all of the things I'm on because she's that years kind of mom. Years young. Yes. She's incredible. I know. They love she's when you say that. She's been feeding our volunteers for 29 years. Oh, my so gosh. She is, oh, my gosh. Yeah. All day, every day. She's quite the person. Everyone calls her Mama Jan because she's like mom to everyone. The Home Free was a big one. And I had sent this to our production company because I don't actually choose the artists. So this is a right. fascinating piece. Meridian Entertainment mm-hmm. is our booking agent. And so I give them a budget and they say... They call me and go, so we can get this band for this amount. This works in the budget, right? Or this band or this band. Yeah. And sometimes our office geeks out, like Nelly. Sure. Yeah. 
the other day, you know, we were talking about Ludacris. And I was like, okay. I know. You know, okay. I still have him as my voicemail. <laughs> Offline, I can tell you why I'm about to have a heart attack right now. And just the the idea of it. Uh, You you don't want to say? I have a fierce love belief in (laughs) the Fast and Furious films are the greatest (laughs) movies of our generation, of any generation. And I love him as a musician. So we want to pick him up in a funeral. So there was a whole... So this is what (laughs) happens in our office. Some sort of discussion happens. In spacesuits. And all of a sudden, we're all like, oh, my gosh, are we getting ludicrous? Yeah. And then, you know, and it spirals out of from course. there. And then it doesn't happen. And everyone goes. Yeah. But you're having fun. We love it. If we didn't love it, we wouldn't do it. And there are some days that they'll, we'll announce a show and we go, who is that? Because our yeah, whole sure. office is 40 and younger. And so there are days when we all have to go. Right. We're Googling. And every once in a while, you get somebody who's about to be somebody or something, right? Um, so, yes, we've done that yeah. several. We had Kane Brown before there you he go. was as big as he is now. And Can I ask you? Justin Moore and several. You don't have to incriminate anybody. Yeah. What's the most ridiculous hookup request a friend or family has ever had the audacity to... I mean, have you been shocked by somebody um, who's like, can you get me a hookup? And what's the most common one you get asked? Um, a lot of them is marriage proposals. What? A lot of people ask if they can propose to someone on the Bayside music stage. Not what I was thinking. That I is, thought you were going to go with parking or something That is easy. a big one. Oh, people have been very angry if we've canceled the fireworks due to weather and they've planned it for their wedding. Because people plan their weddings around this stuff. And if we had a weather issue and we can't make the fireworks go, hey. I've gotten some real angry people. Or my other one is, can you please cancel the Blue Angels? Because we scheduled our wedding at two o'clock at St. Francis Church. And, and I was like, you, uh, right. that's in can the middle of the air show. cancel? Yeah. Wow. They didn't ask you to maybe shift the schedule. Just go ahead and yeah. cancel that out Can for we me. not have the Blue Angels fly yeah. at 3 o'clock? And I was like, no. And they've plied every year at 3 o'clock. So <laughs> not those works. are not necessarily people I know, but those are definitely people who Have you had anybody in your life but, but who you're like, why? Who? You know what I mean? Like, we have someone in my life, that, and, and honestly in any staff life, that really wants something, depending on what it is, usually it is a very humble ask. And right. we do try to make things happen for those yeah. guys. Like, like, hey, is there a chance that I can get on stage and propose? Is not, I mean, that's kind of ballsy. To, yeah. You know, and, and, right. and I don't fault them for that. But like, change this. <laughs> yeah. Like, how many people come to that? What's the number that, that come down to the bay for that? Change. How yeah. privileged are you that you think you can make that phone call? It's passion. And I would just go ahead and incorporate it <laughs> Dude, with, you know, people put too much into that wedding day sometimes. There, I, I said it. I mean, I applaud the thought process to call us and say, can you move the Blue Angels? And I was like, no. Well, no, you know, I'm sorry. Well, I guess if they're not really, like you said, the thought process, like, oh, it's just that simple. Like, yeah, we can stall them. 15 minutes well and that was kind of my thought process i said well i mean you my bigger thought was you're gonna have everyone leave that church at 3 34 o'clock from gridlock downtown to where is your reception you talked about logistics you talked well that's that's my my brain and so i was like is it really wise that you are getting married at this church at this day and by the way why didn't the church tell you i mean that was part yeah. of my brain. It's like no one in the process has said. They were so excited that they found a place they could book. 
that's well, like, there was a place open yeah. in the You don't have to say, here. but I can say it potentially for you. You could also say, are you sure you should be going forward with what you're doing? And well, that's what I did. Because <laughs> I almost said that about I, well, the fireworks. The like, like, dude, <laughs> if, the, if there's no fireworks, it ruined your wedding. Yeah. Like, you, you understand the marriage is the rest of your life. Right. Like the fireworks? Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I, and, and we did tell them because I was like, well, not only are you worried about the planes flying over the church when your actual ceremony is happening, but I am concerned for your hundreds of guests that you are expecting to get to a reception hall on time, which is outside of town. Yeah. And as soon as this air show it ends at four... You're going to have bedlam throughout town for at least an hour and a half. Well, you're you're the That's expert. a good question, Ryan. <laughs> you're a you're a <laughs> wedding. You're, you're an that. event planner. Yeah. You're a, so. Lastly, and maybe it's a little sappy, but have you, in the time that you've been doing what you're doing, spotted the next cherry kid? Have you seen a little eight year old oh, wow. in the time that you've been working? And and are you looking for one? And is that something that have you spotted anybody who has that? And did you have you said that may be me? I I think I have a few dozen of them. Wow. We have so many festival kids who've grown up through it. Their parents have been ambassadors or, or event directors or however it has unfolded that they have now gone on to college and now they're applying for jobs or internships and they're going into event management or recreation management. And we're the ones writing you know, recommendation letters for them. And even our intern program now, we have a bunch of interns in our office from CMU and more coming in May that we bring in to learn the trade. They're blown away. Our interns don't fetch coffee and make copies. They plan events. Right. They are in every meeting we are. They're dealing with budgets. They're ordering things online. They're looking for the junior royalty polos and trying to order crowns for kids and are having the same moment everyone else is there's no job too little no job too big it's all the same in our office because the job still has to get done and we have to create the memory because that's what we do that's what we look at going down a parade route going everywhere we see all these kids and those cherry kids are no different and mine is no different my son's four and he walks around the open space like he owns the place which is terrible because (laughs) You're going to put him to work. Oh, my gosh. Well, and he's, <laughs> you know? he's, he's starting. He's starting. I bet he is. He knows. He knows better now. We're working on that. But everyone knows him. And everyone refers to him as Mini Boss. Because he's, Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that is his little nickname. And he'll tell people in his little red polo that he had, he'll be, I'm a cherry kid. And he has his all-access pass on. And on the back has a phone number of every single staff member. So if anyone finds him, like, yeah. call a number. He shouldn't be alone. No. Yeah. But he walks around like he owns the place and he is a volunteer like the rest of them. He is helping my mom fill the potato chips and, you know, move the, Your the young, chairs. Vibrant, awesome mom. All the kids. Who may it's what we be of do. an age or not. <laughs> it's fun to see the junior ambassadors do it. It is fun to see those people now that were me 30 years ago. It's fun to see the 10 and 11 and 12 year olds getting into it. And we're teaching things that I don't think people realize. We're teaching them how to run cash registers. We're teaching them how to run square machines in our Pepsi tent and how to manage product and how to pay attention to, okay, this trough of water is low. We're going to need to add cases. They're paying, they're learning how to do some heavy labor. Hauling bags of ice is no joke. No. Those are 20 pounds each. I mean, they're mm-hmm. hustling to get those done. We're teaching them those life skills. And a lot of people don't realize that until they get down there, those kids, I've got some 12 and 15-year-olds who can run a concession stand and can do can make change the old school way when our power goes down. And I am deeply impressed every time there you go. they can count it down 
and know how to do it. We may survive the apocalypse yet. I mean, those were things we that get, I, there are some yes. days I worry. And then I see some of our kids who have grown up and they're trustworthy. They get it. They're committed. And they have 40 and 50 people rooting for them. You also have those families who are entrusting all of us with their kids. So yeah. I may have mom and dad working at one end of the open space, but they trust that these other adults at the other end running the Pepsi tent are going to make sure their kids right. are fine and we all look out for them. I know every one of them. And I could honestly say I probably know most of our 2,000 volunteers by face. I'd oh. be like, you're a volunteer. You're a volunteer. Over 30 years, I know most of them and I can pick them out and they all know me by name and sadly I don't. But yeah. I do know them by face. And I'll be like, you're a volunteer. You're a volunteer. And I can tell who they are. So they walk up to me in public. A lot of times I'm, you know, they always say hi oh, to yeah. me. And I always say hi too. I just, I don't always know the name, right. but I could tell you where they work, in which area, because they all are repeats. Yeah. They have their event. They have their little home. And I'd be like, you work in our souvenir tent. And they're like, how did you know? I'm like, yeah. I see you there every day. I do know them. And, and it's we probably just as important so to them as they are to you. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, that that's part of their family, the threat, you know, you, you are giving them stories to tell. Yeah. Like every year, this person would volunteer Cherry Fest. And if they didn't, they were real grumpy. And Christmas sucked oh, yeah. that year for us. You know, if grandma didn't get to do what she did, or if mom or dad or anybody didn't get to do what they did. It's really, and I hate to say it, but, and we try not to entrench these in any time, but I cannot wait for nicer weather in summertime. <laughs> I can't. Can Talking to you <laughs> is infectious in the most positive way. And I can't thank you enough for your time and your passion and what you do uh, here, because I personally have amazing memories thanks to you. Oh, well, thank uh, you. That's what And so, goal. again, how can anybody support, donate? You talked about yeah. it. Uh, the website is there to talk about what's the best way to connect with you too, most appropriate way. <laughs> We're not putting your phone around unless you want to. But how? what's the best way to connect? Of course. Well, cherryfestival.org is our best way to connect for anyone that has all of our information on there is staff. You can, I think, click on our pictures and it goes to an email. We're very open and transparent. We have our office up at 521 South Union Street. Stop on in. We always give cherries to those who stop in. Aww. Oh, yeah. We're very, we love the, the closet of product. You're on always brand. Always on brand. <laughs> Jody's at our front desk. She's happy to greet everyone. Aww. We have a delightful staff that when people come in, we love to talk to them. We love to hear their stories about what's going on. Right. And then the Festival Foundation has its own website. Iceman Cometh has its own you know, you can, you start... Thefestivalfoundation.org, yep. right? Because, and that, that's an important one to get out there and we'll make sure that that's highlighted. Because if it's a new mission, we want people to be aware of all the things that you're doing. What? One more question before she goes. Yeah, of course. What's the evergreen clause on bragging rights for winning the cherry pie eating contest? Oh, the cherry pie eating contest or yeah. the cherry pit spit? The pie eating contest <laughs> okay. circa 1985. Oh, how fast did you eat your slice of cherry pie? I don't know. I just know that I got the ribbon. Ooh, okay, oh, my gosh. Deal. Was that... Do I, do I still have to present the ribbon to have the bragging rights? Because I still have the ribbon. I oh, notice. I would keep the ribbon forever, for sure. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like junior royalty. If you were a prince or princess in one of our oh. elementary schools... Oh, I've got a yeah. prince in the house right now. Oh, okay. So yeah. there's something that we used to do. If you still have his sash and crown, he should keep that forever because that is a... Uh, his mom probably has it. Hot commodity. Wow. But I also kept the float that we built. We, oh, it yeah. Was, it was the, we did towns of Michigan, the awesome, yeah. awesome towns of Michigan. Mm -hmm. And so we got Holland. Ooh. And I, I built this big red. And you kept it? 
well, it was like, it was huge. And, and I, worked at, I worked at Britain at the time. And so we like printed the lighthouse from That's Holland. Amazing. And it was like this Holy play came back for a while. Our junior yeah. royalty program is amazing. And it's, it's a deep center tradition. It's 75 years old this year. Those cherry dresses on the princesses and all the sashes for the prince and princesses are handmade by Sue Judson. And she still does it. So all oh, those little girls dresses. It's a hot commodity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. those are, that's, that is. Well, he's got a broken car right now. Are you saying he could sell that the is, sash? <laughs> <laughs> no, that is history right there. We usually do oh a few things in the future. We will do some stuff this summer for our prince and princess alumni. Oh. Get some perks at our festival because we think they are super important. And because they are forevermore the prince and princess of that mm. year. No one else can take their crown and title. Mm. And now we're starting to present college yeah. scholarships and things like that to those students because those kids that grew wow. up in this, this is a big deal. They are the prince and princess of that elementary school that year and no one can take that title from them. This has been hugely <laughs> fulfilling. Kat, thank you so much for of being course. here. Thank you for your pursuits and to all of those who pursue along with you, celebrating and promoting cherries, community involvement, and our amazing and beautiful region. Thank you for talking with us. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, thank you all for listening and thank you for pursuing the positive. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us again on the Pursuit of Podcast, the Pursuit of the National Cherry Festival. I want to thank Kat Pei for coming in and sharing her lifelong history with the festival and her work with the Festival Foundation. Check out the National Cherry Festival at cherryfestival.org and come participate. And also look for concerts and other events put on by the Cherry Festival Foundation at the Turtle Creek Stadium in Traverse City. I'm always accepting any challenger for the Cherry Pie Eating Contest, but more importantly, also accepting anybody that cares to come work with New Leonard Media on all things audio, video, podcast related. Check us out, newleonard.com.